Welcome to the South Coast Repertory Podcast. I'm Tanya Thompson, and joining me on this edition is Lou Bellamy, who is directing SCR's first production in the new year, Fireflies by Donye R. Love. The play runs on the Julianne Argera stage January 5 through 26, 2020. Lou is an Obie Award-winning director and accomplished actor and founder and artistic director emeritus of Penumbra Theater, one of the nation's premier theaters dedicated to the dramatic exploration of the African-American experience. And he is making his directorial debut here at SCR. Lou, welcome. Well, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure, a real pleasure to be here. Well, we are so excited for this production. Hey, before we take a look at Fireflies, though, I want to talk a little bit about Penumbra Theater with you. In the beginning, what led you to found and establish this theater? Well, I I sort of get more credit as a founder than perhaps I deserve. <laughs> um, there were, at that time, and that was 1976, there were at that time in the Twin Cities, Minnesota, a uh, a large group, or a relatively large group, of black actors, directors, performers generally, who uh, were not getting opportunities to tell stories about the the culture that they knew existed. They were working primarily at majority theaters, and they in those theaters they had a view of the place that African Americans hold in society. And so the plays and the roles that we were allowed to do, I started out as an actor, um, didn't they they felt one dimensional to me and so uh, i had an opportunity and determined that i would provide a space where more complex stories about this culture and these people could be told and uh, that was the genesis of it we got a uh, $150,000 CETA grant that was the Concentrated Employment and Training Program. And uh, that was sort of uh, designed to uh, recognize communities and the brain trusts that exist inside of them, rather like the Works Progress Administration. Um, and uh, we got one of those grants and started doing shows. and. Before you know it, August Wilson shows up. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. And and how amazing. He was part of your company for a number of years? Oh, yeah, yeah. I produced uh, August Wilson's first professional production. Um, it was a play called Black Bart and the Sacred Hills. It was an, a takeoff on the uh, Lysistrata yarn where uh, women withhold sexual favors till men stop fighting. And it was set in the Old West. And uh, it was a little sexist, you know. <laughs> um, there was a song I'll never forget in there, August wrote. Uh, it went, uh, if you don't meet with our demands, you'll feel the pain down in your glands. And then you'll say <laughs> we struck without fair warning. <laughs> Well, you know, a few women walked out, uh, but it was, it was the the beginning, uh, 
as they say, of a beautiful friendship. And uh, his work ended up being, those words that he would give us, ended up bringing many of us to artistic maturity. Mm. And it was a wonderful way to go, yeah. If you had to choose, is there a proudest Penumbra Theater moment that you have? Well, I I suppose um, I left after our 40th anniversary, and my daughter took over as artistic director uh, against my my protestations, but um, she grew up in the theater and felt it was her home and wanted to do it. But I remember seeing uh, on the corner of... Uh, Minnesota Public Radio, they have a, what do you call those ticker tape things that go around the building? The lights have a, you know, whatever the news headlines are. The readout. Yeah, yeah, that readout. Mm -hmm. And uh, on the building, as I drove by, it said, Sarah Bellamy takes over Penumbra Theater. And I went, wow, (laughs) (laughs) that's really cool. That is cool. uh, She has, uh, she's been... I've been emeritus for, I don't know, two, three years, and she is uh, exercising her own vision and uh, still respecting the past. She chose uh, uh, as a sort of a, a model for the theater the Sankofa bird, which is an, comes from an African legend where this bird is looking back at its tail and there's a ball on its tail, and it's sort of the uh, the embodiment of you got to know where you came from to know where you're going. And uh, she's doing quite well with it. She still hires me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's good to hear. Well, now we have brought you here to direct Fireflies. And I wonder, without giving too much away, could you give us a little bit about the story of the play? Well, it, it's what we call in theater a two-hander, uh, two actors. And uh, first of all, when you're uh, given something like that to bring to life, you want the very best people you can find. And uh, fortunately, David Ivers, your artistic director, and I uh, knew some really good actors, and we've got them here. Um the play is it it happens in a home of a uh, a man who has uh, who is a baptist preacher and his wife and um it's sort of a a composite of it happens in 1963 and it's rather a composite of of many of the civil rights players um Martin Luther King um, Emmett Till, those sorts of things. So there are references to those things happening. The bombing of the Baptist Church where the four little girls. In fact, it happens uh, during that time in 1963. So you see this, this uh, these two people married sort of attempting to live a normal life in times that don't allow it. And uh, there seems to be and is uh, an underlining trauma 
that sort of projects a kind of ennui on on the family. And uh, that is, of course, complicated by everyday life. Just living with someone is can be a feat. But uh, those kinds of outside uh, forces sort of make this kitchen or this home a crucible where these two people are, are, are placed. And there's all of the human frailties, of course, hubris, some infidelity, all those kinds of things that, that come into our relationships. And uh, at the same time, these people are living under the real threat of terrorism that, that is just outside the door. And the playwright has uh, given us a, a metaphor for that terrorism. It's fireflies. And these flies or sparks or bombs or whatever one would want to, to uh, make them real with are in the sky and right outside the home. What really drew you to this story? What I think drew me to the project is that uh, I, I truly believe being a, a black man and a black man of a certain age, uh, I was around for some of that, that stuff. I was a freshman in college during the time this, this play was, uh, uh, is placed. I know from my own family that there is a terrible cost, uh, a physical and psychological cost for the trauma, the fear, the uh, uh, the atomiz atomization of families and so forth that the civil rights demand civil rights conflict demanded of those who waged that battle. Um, you know, you see a, a, a picture of a Dr. King sitting calmly with a letter opener buried in his chest, millimeters away from his heart. Um, these these were people, first of all, who were brave beyond my understanding, but not only the ones who participated, but sort of the, the penumbral effect of that trauma just, just uh, affected the whole community. And this play, although it doesn't um, specifically name that trauma, you can see the effects of it on the family. And it's, uh, it's profound. And I wanted to, to find a way to uh, show that, that bravery and that, that uh, sense of character that it took to maintain dignity through all of that, that sort of stuff. The other thing that was that I loved about the play is uh, I was raised by women, uh, my grandmother, aunt, mother, and uh, so I I rather know what strong women <laughs> look like, <laughs> and uh, I I saw this woman in the play, uh, and I recognized her, 
Um, I also, I, I recognized her ability. She writes the speeches for her husband, who goes out and is this Baptist minister. And I watched her con consciously subordinate her, her ability to allow her man, her husband, to have a degree of respect that the outside world would not allow him. And uh, it's a dynamic that I know exists, and I wanted to, uh, to put it on the stage, and this has given me an opportunity to do it. And that goes to something that you said on the first day of rehearsal. Um, you said that a tradition you have with each play you direct is asking, what are the women doing? I, I do ask that question, what are the women doing? And uh, it's surprising how, when you try to answer that question, how it changes drama, because <laughs> a lot of people haven't bothered to ask that question. And I, I've seen it change a, 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 a patriarchal structured play into a, a, a more democratic uh, uh, representation. It changes the way individuals interact. Um, I, I love to, to see actors have choice and to watch them think. I think the most powerful thing on stage is to watch an actor think. And so I make sure that they have those opportunities, and especially women. And when you give them that opportunity, by golly, they exercise it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and something really wonderful happens. Uh, people will say to me, you know, I, I've seen that play. I thought I'd seen it, but I, I, I never saw what was there. And it's just simply asking that question, giving voice to those people, giving power and uh, agency to them. And then they exercise it. It's lovely. Earlier in our conversation, you referenced uh, the two cast members that we'll be seeing in this production, Lester Purry and Christiana Clark. What is the power in them that determined you that they were the perfect pair to cast? Well, I, I've worked with both of them uh, many times. Uh, Lester is a company member at Penumbra. Um, the first time we worked together, I was playing Troy Maxson in August Wilson's Fences, and he was playing Corey, my son. So we've been together a, a, a few years, and uh, Christiana as well. The first thing about these actors is that they have a tremendous amount of craft that is immediately accessible to them. You don't have to go digging for it and try to unearth it and pour talent into their head or something. These are people who are, are consummate professionals who uh, uh, will interrogate text and have an immense amount of control over their emotions and their body. So you've got an instrument there, a Stradivarius, if you will. You know, there's something to play. Um, and then the, 
the next part of, of that equation is to have a kind of life experience that allows them to accept and take from the text and apply their life experiences to it. That's the part that I can't pour into them. And uh, both these individuals have lived enough life so that they, they know what it feels like to be hurt, uh, to be happy, to, to experience uh, uh, rapture, you know, mm-hmm. those kinds of things that, that make uh, an actor capable of, of approaching a, a character in a script. And these two, these two folks have that in spades, if you will. And of course, our two actors, the two characters, exist within the, the world that is being built, the design. Can you talk a little bit about what we'll be seeing visually for the set? Well, the, the set is uh, designed by uh, a woman by the name of Vicki Smith. Uh, she is a, a, a wonderful scene designer. She and I work together all over the country. Um, uh, I like working with, with people that, that well, you, you find people with whom you resonate. And with this designer, I can talk about the way I want to feel rather than what I want on the stage. And that gives her the room to breathe her own self into a design and uh, challenge me with her perception of the text. Mm. And it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful interchange that I always come out the better for. I get the credit for it all the time, <laughs> but it's something that, that we built together. Um, what she has envisioned in, in this play, and, uh, and the same is true in almost all August Wilson plays, that the real antagonist is not on the stage. It's outside this little cocoon that we are allowed to view these people interacting in. So what she's given us is an open room with lots of sky, lots of, of, uh, of you know, area that sort of presses down on these people. And uh, the lighting designer and the projection designer, um, whom, well, we haven't begun working with them yet. It's the second week of rehearsal. And so we're feeling our own way through the inside of the house. But we have left room for that, uh, that, that pressure that's, that's going to sort of ignite the experiences that people are having inside the house. And uh, it, it, so it, it isn't complete yet. Uh, sound is also another variable that'll be really, really important. And uh, I've got a wonderful sound designer um, who uh, is really challenging uh, my my perception and my actualization of the text. 
these actors give breath to the words, but the words aren't all that that make the statement of, about the character and about the story. And so we have a, a, a wonderful costumer, a man that I've worked with also before, David Michelson, and uh, he has, uh, he's sort of positioned this preacher in the kind of wear that you would expect for him to wear for his public self. And then there are times when there are more intimate discussions happening inside the home where that facade is sort of stripped away. Um, you see uh, uh, the same thing happening with, with the female character. There's a morning where she's walking around in, in a robe and barefoot. So there's a kind of vulnerability there that I wanted to, to go for. Um, all of those come together, the, the set, the, uh, the lights, the sound, the costumes, the words. And I have never done a play where when all those pieces come together, that the whole isn't greater than the sum of the parts. Something magical happens in theater every time, and it's always such a wonderful surprise. And I'm looking forward to all those elements coming together in this. That is the joy and the delight of what we do. You know, we've talked about the story as we began our conversation. It seems to me that there are parallels with our own time. Can you talk a little bit about how relevant the story, unfortunately, still is? Well, I, I think that to place a play in uh, 1963 and talk about the civil rights uh, struggle, it does a couple of things for us, at least. It gives us a kind of a distance so that we can safely sort of interrogate that, that experience. But it also gives us a measuring stick so that we can see just how far we have or haven't come. And unfortunately, I, I, I think that a, uh, a non-jauntist eye will see that many of the issues that these people were dealing with in 1963 are still quite, quite prevalent today. So um, in, in one way, we can feel pretty good about ourselves, but then we have to look at a, a shopping center or a synagogue, all those kinds of things today, and we find out that terrorism is still alive and well and exists in, in our own communities. It, it's, it's terribly relevant, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So for audiences, what do you hope the discussion will be as they exit the theater and head home after seeing Fireflies? When I direct plays, uh, I, I only work inside of plays that are 
that deal with the African-American cultural experience. So I've been doing that for uh, 60 years, and I, I, I understand that cultural experience, uh, I, I think, in my bones. And so I want to bring that, that those mores, those... Uh, those rules for interaction to life on the stage. So first I would like an audience to see what is happening up there as, as really reflective of their own experience. So that means in many cases I'm directing as though there are no one but black people in the house because that's the way you present that, that uh, unvarnished truth, if you will. Um, that doesn't mean, however, that it isn't worthwhile for anyone who watches it. We can't do anything that isn't ultra-human because that's who we are, and we recognize that. Uh, uh, too often people attempt to be universal by uh, watering the essence of something down so that you can make it uh, understandable for everyone, but that isn't the way you reach a universal. You reach a universal by being ultra-specific. And when you can spot, identify your own experiences inside of a specific instance is when you perhaps are most human and reach out to people the, the farthest. So uh, I present this real... Uh, cultural experience, and I hope that audiences will then learn to see themselves in anyone, any other human being, because it's always there, and uh, they should walk out feeling that, that they found themselves in this experience that may or may not be one that they knew they understood, and were made better because of that. Um, because of, when we close that distance, um, it is, like I said, when I think we're most human. I think on that note, we'll wrap up this edition of the SCR podcast. My thanks to Lou Bellamy. He is directing Fireflies by Donye R. Love on the Julianne Argero stage, January 5 through 26, 2020. Lou, it has been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks also to our recording engineer today, Mike Ritchie. For more information on this and other productions at Orange County's Tony Award-winning theater, visit us online at scr.org. ¶¶